Welcome to In the Fire, a podcast for the young families of Chapelgate Presbyterian Church. Marriage and parenting are a wonderful blessing and are extremely rewarding, but they're also really hard and can leave us feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and defeated. That's exactly why we started this podcast, to help families see how the gospel injects encouragement, comfort, and hope into the daily grind of our lives, and to remind you that you're never alone in the struggle. There is another In the Fire. Well, hello and welcome back to In the Fire. My name is Rob Gicking. I'm the director of Young Family Ministry at Chapelgate Church and also awesome and also the host of this podcast. (laughs) And I'm joined today by uh, a good friend of mine, Jeff McMullen. Now, Jeff, I say you're a good friend, not a great friend, and I don't want you to take that personally, but I do want you to tell us what do you do for a living? Well, thanks, Rob. Thanks, my marginally good friend. You're Uh, welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, Hey, everybody. My name's Jeff McMullen. I'm the director of the Life Counseling Center. I'm also a pastor here at Chapelgate Presbyterian Church. And what uh, what do you do at the Life Counseling Center? Yeah, so I we we I oversee uh, our counseling staff. Um, I counsel folks. I doesn't Tony Robbins do all that already? Yes, he does. Why do we need you? Uh, well, I'm not a guru, so uh, mm-hmm. you got to use me on some levels. And um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to to do what I do. I, I think what we're doing is really helping people find hope in Christ. Um, by walking alongside them. So that, to me, is just a lot of fun. Um, and I work with a great team, and I'm excited that we, we have the opportunity to do that in the Baltimore, Washington area. You know, so I just put you off a little bit there, Rob, because yeah, you your, your, com- your comments are ridiculous sometimes. Hey, ridiculous and Rob both start with R. What do you expect? <laughs> that is true, R squared. R squared. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jeff, the work you guys do over here is fantastic. I think from... Um, Obviously, just a standard counseling, you know, sitting in a room with someone, but also just the webinars, the conferences, things like that. Um, I've personally benefited greatly uh, from counseling at Chapelgate, even prior to being at Chapelgate. Yeah, right? That's awesome. Um, when I was, I remember working at Columbia Prez, it was like that yeah. was a really helpful. I kind of realized there were some things I needed to process. Yeah. They didn't know who to talk to, um, and someone recommended just calling the Life Counseling Center, and that really, over the next few months, was just massively helpful for me um, from a very real sense, unlocking kind of my own thoughts, but also seeing where my sin was contributing to an issue that I was facing. Wow. And that was really helpful. So um, grateful for you, grateful for this this ministry. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I I don't think people know, like, we are a ministry that was started by the church, but we're independent. And we serve a lot of people in this area. And I think that's what gets me really excited about who we are and what we're doing. We're meeting, a, I think, an important need. Oh, without a doubt. Now, speaking of important needs, our uh, listeners need to hear your answer <laughs> to this very hard-hitting question. I think I'm ready. All right. Jeffrey? Yes? What is your favorite cheese? I'd like to say it's toe cheese, but Rob said I can't say that. No, because this is a young family and not a youth ministry podcast. Oh, that's right. That's for Steve Dahlweg. Um, my favorite cheese... Uh, man, that's a, that's a tough one. I really like blue cheese. That describes you in a nutshell. <laughs> Slightly off-putting, a little bit smelly, but liked liked by some. That's uh, <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds yeah, about right. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with blue cheese. Yeah. How about you, Rob? Well, it's not blue cheese. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, thank you for asking. Yeah. A lot of my guests don't even ask. It's, uh, my feelings aren't hurt, but obviously you see that every well, time I Well, I care I about you. I am a counselor. Every time I record a podcast, you see where I am after that. <laughs> right here in the Life Counseling Center. <laughs> stinking Bishop. That is my favorite cheese. I've stinking never had it. Stinking Bishop? Yeah, well, Stinking yeah. Bishop. I've never had it. Um, but Wallace well, why, and Gromit, okay. that, that was a big uh, moment uh, in the movie. Uh, that's right. And as a child, I thought that that was marvelous, that someone would name a cheese Stinky. Stinking Bishop. Uh, but how can it be your favorite cheese if you've never tried it? Uh, I've never seen Jesus, and he's my favorite person. <laughs> so, Boy, this is going to be a podcast, isn't Why don't you it? think uh, things, Are we going to counsel you during this podcast? Yeah, what are we going to do? you need some counseling, <laughs> you Stinking Bishop. Anyway... <laughs> I love it. So good. Jeff, Yeah, we're not here to talk about cheese as much as that would be enjoyable. We're here because uh, one of the things that <clears throat> obviously we run into a lot is dealing with difficulties in marriage. Um, yeah. And, and well, the simple reason for that, right, like a layman's explanation, which is where I live in the layman world, is this. We have two sinful people, right? Uh, another way to say it is two people who are imperfect. They're broken. They have their own issues coming together and making a vow to love the other person more than they love themselves. So yes. already, like just if we were looking on this on paper, this yeah. is a recipe for failure, right? Because there's no way that I'm ever going to love Kate more than I love myself, yeah. barring an act of God. Yeah. So what ends up happening sometimes is, well, really all the time in some little ways, but sometimes in really big ways, in our marriages, we do things that, that breach trust. Yes. Um, that create a, a divide between the union I'm supposed to have with my spouse. And yeah. we can do that in big ways, right? You, like affairs come to mind or maybe um, like a really uh, sneaky thing I did with money that I didn't talk to my spouse or I hid right. things from my spouse. Right. But this can also happen in a lot of small ways. And so in some sense, every single person listening to this, if, they, if they're married, is going to have some sort of degree of a loss of trust in their marriage. Yes. Either caused by them or, the, or their spouse. Right. And so from that, from that point of view, I just want to sit down and talk with you for a little mm -hmm. while about, you know, what is a breach of trust? Uh, how does it happen? Um, or, you know, some of the ways it can happen maybe mm -hmm. that aren't quite as obvious. And how mm -hmm. do we begin the process of, of putting the pieces back together? So I'm mm -hmm. just going to open it up to you and just mm -hmm. kind of let you let you process for us a little bit of the things you see here in the counseling room. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, well, I think a couple of things we need to keep in mind is that we're, we're not created to have breaches of trust. And, and you see this picture right before the fall in the garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve are naked and unashamed before one another. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense of, there's communion and union found by being in relationship with God and one another. And then in, then after the fall, what happens? You see that image again, but Adam and Eve are aware of their nakedness, their vulnerability, and they hide. And, and I think that's something we need to kind of keep in mind in a larger theological context is that breaches of trust are not the way it's supposed to be. But at the same time, we should expect it because we live in a fallen world and that we naturally want to hide from one another. So to put your thought yeah. in, in maybe a different way is, yeah. is, is kind of what you're saying. 
sometimes that breach of trust hurts even more because deep down, like in our blueprints, we know it should have never been there. I think so. And and I, I think it's actually the breach of trust maybe is kind of an echo of what should be. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, that does make sense. So like my heart still carries that like, uh, you know, that hope of what it was created for, which is that that and, beautiful, you said, unity and communion with God. Um, you know, God creates marriage to be a reflection of that union. Yeah. And my marriage sometimes reflects that. Yeah. But a lot of times it doesn't. And exactly. therefore, like, it, it's going to hurt a lot when it doesn't. It is. And, and, and at the same time, I'm asking us to, to hold two things. Like, it's not the way it's supposed to be. But also, I shouldn't be surprised that the breach of trust is going to happen. Not that it doesn't hurt, that we minimize or try to push it away and just say, oh, well, that's just how it is life in a fallen world, which some of us will do. Right. But others of us also will say, "I, well, this shouldn't be. It, and it shouldn't be, but it is. And and I think that's part of the reality of what we're always facing at at a larger kind of theological underpinning. What do you think about that, Rob? Yeah, I think that's that's a super helpful framework. Yeah. Um, because we do tend to fall on one side or the other, maybe of that. Yeah. Either of like, oh, I'm like, I'm devastated because my spouse isn't perfect, you know, and I'm like, well, none of us are. Or we fall on the side that, you know, I've seen this quote so many times on social media and it drives me up the wall. Sorry if you've ever posted this. But I'm also not sorry if you've posted this. But that 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 phrase, it's like, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best, you know. And I'm like, oh, wow, could we could we like find a more blatant way to like just sweep the fact that like, yeah, I'm a broken sinner, deal with it, you know? And no, like, yeah, I am broken, and we are in a fallen world, but that's not an excuse for me to continue being belligerent in my sin or or you know, in ways that are damaging my marriage. No, exactly. And, and and Rob, I think you're really kind of hitting on a fact that marriage, like any other relationship, we get to see another one another for who we are. So like the way you and I present one another, like we'll know each other, but it's not the way that Jody will know me and Kate will know you. Right. Like Jody knows me in such a way and and, and this, she will. She poor, will poor Jody. This. Yeah, it is. It is because <laughs> she is. <laughs> I definitely married up, uh, the, as they say. But um, she, you know, there there are times where I will just raise an eyebrow or make a facial expression, and she will know how I'm trying to hide in that moment from mm. her, and how I'm trying to withdraw. Yeah. And I just think that's the reality that marriage does. Marriage is actually a beautiful gift to help us become like Jesus. Okay, tell me, tell me, because we say that, right? Yeah. Like marriage is like the number one sanctifying relationship right. in your life. And that that's pretty true. But tell right. me how, like, what does that mean? Well, because I, again, I mean, there's so much... I think when you start out to get... You're on the road to getting married. You're not thinking about the self-centeredness that drives your spouse, right? Because you're not aware of it. You're not aware of it. And you see kind of their great attributes and their great qualities, and you're excited about what life is meant to be, is going to be like. You're you're looking for the ideal life, right? The good life, as James K. Smith would talk about in the midst of this. But the beauty of it is, is that um, we have an opportunity to actually enter into one another's self-centeredness together. 
And what we actually want to do is avoid it. Okay. Does that make sense? Um, a little bit. Tell me, tell me more. <laughs> tell you more. Yeah. Well, like I'm just saying, so let's talk about the bre breach of trust. Sure. Okay, so like let's say you've spent a lot of money on your credit cards and your spouse doesn't know about it and your spouse finds out. Okay. Right? That's That can be devastating for people. You feel like that trust has been shattered and you don't know what you're going to do with it. Well, I think in that moment, you're going to see how one another is going to address that issue and how the posture of their heart is going to come out. So you're going to see people with, you're going to, you're going to either withdraw, you might get angry, you know, you as a person, let's say you're the one who spent that, an excessive amount of money on the credit card and hit it, you might withdraw, you might lash out, you might uh, try to appease the person just to avoid the situation. And on the other hand, you know, you're, you're the spouse who, yeah, rightfully you've been wounded and you might hold that over that person forever. Hmm. You might completely withdraw. You might just say, I'm going to sweep it under the rug and let's just move on. And what I think it's going to do is the way that you're committed to living your lives when in reality, this opportunity that has arisen, this breach of trust, um, really isn't a problem to be solved because I would say those are even ways that we try to solve that, right? By getting angry or uh, withdrawing or trying to appease the person. They're not great. They're not great solutions at all because they're not addressing the issue. But I wonder if like breaches of trust rather than a problems to be solved so that person never does it again or I make a commitment never to do it again actually becomes an invitation an invitation to draw near to Jesus, to draw near to your spouse, and to become a different person. Hmm. So in, in, in some sense, and it's like, I, I follow what you're saying. Yeah. It makes sense, but it also seems extremely difficult. It is. To, and for some reason, it seems more difficult if you're kind of the victim of your spouse's sin. Yes, um, it is. You know, and and let's even let's like maybe even pick like a a smaller example. So like yeah, I'll, I'll share one from my like this is a real real yeah. story. So um, when Kate and I were like newlyweds, yeah, um, probably about a year into marriage, we went through financial peace with Dave Ramsey. Yeah, and this whole story will be very funny at the end uh, when you find out that I actually become a, a financial coach with Dave Ramsey. But at the time, I thought this guy was ridiculous. Like here he is, you know. You got a budget, but cash only. Buy your house and cash envelope. I was like, this guy is nuts, and I hated it. And Kate was loving it. She, you know, it provided her with a sense of structure and organization and a way to keep tabs on things. And I couldn't, like, I could not believe that she wanted to do this. Yeah. You know, we fought for a week. Well, not fought. We argued for weeks over yeah. this, and finally, I just was like, fine. We will do it. If you care that much, we will do it. Yeah. And, um, you know, she wanted to use the envelope system. So I'd go to the gas station and I would walk inside the gas station to pay with cash. Yeah. But I'd be like, hmm, she doesn't know if I pay with cash and I put $40 at the gas station, it just shows up as $40 spent at Royal Farms. <laughs> she has no clue that part of that $40 was like a Diet Coke and like combos. 
<laughs> and I only got three quarters of a tank of gas, you right. know, because and and right. I literally was just like, fine, if we're if we're doing this, then at least I deserve to be yeah. able to like I, I deserve this little yeah. reward. Well, like a couple weeks of that, and like the spirit really convicted me that I was I was hiding something from my wife, you know. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, very small. Yeah, you sure. Know, we we t- we talked for maybe five minutes about it. I confessed my sin and asked for forgiveness. She granted it quickly. Yeah. But in that moment, right, like on a bigger scale, if I had done something worse, if I had been hiding something worse and I had broken that trust um, in a more severe way, yeah. it seems really hard to be Kate and see this as an it opportunity is. to like to walk into my husband's brokenness yeah. and help him see Jesus as I myself have to look to Jesus who's forgiven my sin. Does that... Like, am I following you correctly? Yeah, it is. And it, it is really hard because... There is a real cost to absorb. If you've been the one who's been a sinned against, you have to absorb the cost of of your spouse's sin. You know, you're not getting that back. And there are places, too, that, like... I mean, there's a whole bunch of qualifications we can make on this, like abuse in marriage, like emotional abuse, physical abuse in marriage. Like, that's probably not the best way to go into that right away. But there is a sense of what I'm asking... What I think we're calling people to is a radical honesty. Okay. And how they relate in their marriage. And and, and I think it's an opportunity for one another to speak in each other's lives about what really drives me. Who who am I? Um, So I think there is a place for that to be exposed. Yeah. And I, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is, so for example, with that whole point is that, yeah, you ratted yourself out, which was great. I wonder what, how that impacted Kate, like even on that small level. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's pretty fair to say that it actually built trust a little bit. Yeah, how so? Because, well, because she didn't catch me. She didn't catch right? you. It, it wasn't like I. It yeah. wasn't like the truth only came out because I was caught red-handed. The truth came out because in my in my own heart I was convicted, and so when I came to her and said, "Hey, I need to I need to share something. I I haven't been, you know, the husband that I want to be." Yeah, there is a sense in which you know Kate as as like a godly mature woman. She knows I'm broken, right? right? She knows I have sin in my life. She sees right. it, but she also knows her sin that she is not seeing in my life. Exactly. And so when I become um, like the self-confessor, when I'm my own You write yourself out. Yeah. It, it almost serves to bolster trust because yes. I'm revealing to her my brokenness before I, before I get caught in it. Yeah, because I think a big part of like the breaches of trust is often we minimize what we do wrong. We blame shift what we've done wrong. We will, uh, we will, um, I mean, I mean, there's a whole host of ways that we'll defense just to not name what we've done wrong. Well, well let's just, let's yeah. just even dive into minimizing. Yeah. Like, blame shifting in, you know, it, we, that's pretty easy. Like, yeah. In my story, right? right? It's like, I actually, that's what I was doing. I was, I was justifying yeah. my, yeah. my misdeeds by being like, well, I didn't want to do this in the first place. It's a stupid thing, and I don't want to do it. My wife's making me do it, so I deserve right. this. Right. I'm blaming her. Exactly. Well, and and over time, right, like I said, God convicted me. Yeah. But minimizing, let's talk about that. How, how like, what is that, and and why do we do it? 
Well, it's a good question. I mean, minimize, minimizing is anything that I do where I'm not really honest about the whole truth, right? right? So like in that moment, I think, I mean, you could tell me how you minimize, but in my opinion, it's sort of like, okay, we have X amount of dollars set for gas. I wasn't living up to the intention of what we've agreed on together to spend that, uh, that set amount of money on for gas that month. It was gas plus, right? And in your mind, like you were hiding that. You were withholding from her. Like there was a breach of integrity. You know, it was an issue of integrity. There's a breach of trust on a micro level, right? Like we're not talking anything major here. And it, it, it bothered you enough that the spirit worked in your heart to say, hey, I got to go talk to my wife about this, right? So I think there are little ways that we can do that. Um, maybe, you know, I... Again, it's there's so many. I think if we we could talk through examples of, well, let's even use this one. Like, yeah, I, I think of words. Like when we have hurt our spouse with words, right? And we've broken that trust of of love, right? Because that is a breach of trust. Yeah. When, when you when your spouse says something to you that, especially when we're in those heated moments, where yes. I, because like you said, it's like I can turn know, the knife in. Yeah, because you know exactly it's, where it needs yes. to go where it's going to hurt the most. And then you you kind of back it up with like, you know, I, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't mean it like that. Well, yeah, because what you're doing is actually every moment of every day of our marriage is meant to be loving our spouse more than ourselves. Yep. And to love God, right? So in that moment, and I do that too, you know, I did that recently. You kind of turn you turn the knife in because you're not you're not using your words to bring about love. You're about actually break, you're breaking peace within your relationship and hurting that person. And I think that's what we do when we minimize because it's that commitment to ourselves. We do that because we're committed to ourselves. We don't want to be seen. Shame causes us to hide. Guilt causes us to hide. We don't want to be seen for who we are because, frankly, I think at the bottom line, we're afraid of being rejected by our spouse. Right. And that also just reveals fundamentally what we believe about God. Yeah, so I, I think I know where you're going, but keep going with that. How does that reveal what we fundamentally believe about God? Well, I think what I fundamentally believe about God is that, like, the gospel actually frees me to be honest about who I am. Because we belong to a God, and this is what I love about Psalm 139, that darkness, that, that our darkness is as light to God. There is nothing about us. There's no kind of subtle ways that we hide or blame or excuse make that gets beyond God's purview. But he loves us. He's not, I mean, he's not happy to keep us where we're at, right? But he loves us and he's committed to us to being like him. Right. And when I, when I have that as the foundation and something I'm resting in, it actually frees me up to be like, yeah, I'm really hiding because I don't want the displeasure of my wife. I, I don't want my wife to see me or my husband to see me for who I am. And you know what? Like, I can be honest, and it's going to hurt. It's, there might be tears. There might be, more, there might be some more pain but I can do that because I know I'm loved by God. I know that God is for me. I know that I'm secure in him. What do you think about that? I think that is that is one of the things that I find most compelling about 
gospel life, life in the gospel, yeah. is it frees me to admit both weaknesses and sins. Like weaknesses could be something is like, hey, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not as good at at budgeting, or I'm not as good at you know taking care of the cars as I ought to be, or whatever it might be for you as a spouse. Yeah, you can admit that because your identity, right, the value you have in Christ, the present value is no different, you know at any point in your day. And so that's that's one way it really is very powerful. But the second, and that's really where we're at today, yeah. in these breaches of trust, I can be freed to come and be my own confessor. Yes. Because in that sense, I go, I'm confessing that I've done something wrong, but my status in God's eyes remains the same. Yes. God loves me just as much yesterday, today, and forever. Right, and, and this was a lesson that clicked in for me. Like in my late teen years, I came back from uh, a year at college, and I had um, this great youth pastor. Right, was my youth pastor all through school, um, and like really just like edgy, cool dude. Right, and so I come home, and I'm really down on myself at like the Christmas service because I've been living a life I shouldn't have been living, as many people in college do, and he could just tell. So you know, he walks up out of the service, he's like, "How you doing, brother?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm doing all right." You know, blah blah blah. And I kind of just shared, I'm like, I'm just not living the way I need to be. And I can't repeat the exact quote he said here, uh, but it was, God is not surprised by your garbage, okay? That last word was was slightly different. But, you know, and to me, that lesson has just been one that I'm continually learning more and more and more. And it is it is why we believe that, like, God has to be the center of your marriage, because the gospel has to be the center of your marriage. Um, so to me, what you're saying is really, I think that's powerful and that's worth like, that's worth journaling about, you know, every morning is thinking through like, how does the gospel free me up to be a better husband, a better wife, a better parent? Yeah. And what gets in the way of that? Right. And, and on the other side, for the spouse who's sinned against, that that's always a little bit more tricky because there are real wounds, right? And it, but there is a sense that I want to say this lightly. You know, it's not like the this is a it's a process of getting there. So please hear this. I, it's more like for the other spouse. It's for the spouse who is in the midst of what they're facing, um, and and the one who's been sinned against. They have an opportunity to to realize that God is ultimately the one who can heal their pain. Yeah. And God is ultimately the one who can hold them and that they, uh, they actually can be part of the instrument of change of speaking truthfully and lovingly in their spouse's life. And, and just in that situation, right. Of saying, this is how it impacted me when you did this. <laughs> wow. And this is what it's like when you do this to me. And they can have a way of being a redemptive instrument in one another's lives. So like this giving and receiving, right? Like when we see in Scripture, and again, if we're creating the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I don't know how, but you see in the Trinity, right? They're individuals, but they're in relationship with one another. They're equal in the Godhead, and there's a mutual community of giving and receiving and love for the glory of themselves, right? Yeah. And and there's something built within us that we can 
We can help one another become like Christ by speaking truthfully and lovingly and receiving that in a way of, yes, this is good for me. Yes, I can change. But that is an impossible task without the help of the Spirit, without us growing in repentance and faith. And what I mean by that is I got to really say I'm the one who's the biggest problem in, in my marriage. Yeah. I'm the one who's... I'm the one who brings the most to the table. For some of us, though, that, that's a little bit wonky because they're naturally self-deprecating, <laughs> and they already kind of, they have struggles that have led them to, to be more condemning of, the, of themselves. And, and I, I, I would say, you know, we need to be careful in that on certain levels. But if, but if we say that our fundamental problem is I'm trying to make life work apart from Christ, that's just the, that's the ditch I naturally drift into, that becomes a good starting point because it's going to take courage whether to speak into one another's life or to receive uh, th- that truth that needs to be spoken in love. To, to that love moves from beyond just keeping peace to love has a patience a gentleness, a self-controlledness to be worked out in one's life. What do you think about that, Rob? Yeah, I think that's really, that's a very helpful kind of key to, to utilize. Um, because I think it speaks into both parties, right? Yeah. If I'm the offending spouse, that gives me, um, that gives me some rubric to think about as I'm, as I'm considering how to handle both the moment of discovery right? Yeah. Whether that discovery is, is I confess or I'm discovered in my sin, yeah. right? But also then kind of the, the, what comes next, which, you know, yeah, in my story, it was really easy, right? Like, Kate, I bought some Diet Cokes and some combos and some Pringles occasionally, maybe one Snickers. You know, it's like, okay, you know, we can kind of move on from that pretty quick. There are other times where I've done things or said things that, yeah, it's taken months, to walk that out. And if I don't have that foundation of like the gospel is as real today as it is tomorrow, you know, as real tomorrow as it is next month, like then I'm going to I'm going to get to a place where I really start to go am I ever going to are we ever going to make it through this? Um and I, and I want to talk about that in yeah. a minute, but before we get there, yeah. I think it'd be helpful. Yeah. Cuz I'm just imagining this. Yeah. Sometimes we are very comfortable too comfortable living in our sin yeah. when it's secret. Yeah. And and I'm imagining that there's probably someone or, or many people actually who are listening yeah. to this, because I'm actually, as we're talking and thinking about things, like I might need to process with my wife here a little bit. Sure. But I'm going, I, I'm a husband or a wife, I'm listening to this podcast, and I'm, and I'm realizing, man, I have been hiding um, my alcohol use mm-hmm. from my spouse. Mm-hmm. I have been buying things like with a separate account that my spouse doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. I have been mm. uh, engaging in the usage of pornography. I Or like even more seriously, like I may have had an affair or be in an emotional affair and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm terrified because I'm going, I don't want to keep living in the sin. Sure. But if I bring this up to my spouse, it is sure to end in, you know, you know, misery, if not divorce. And sure. I don't know what to do. Yeah, Rob, I, I really think that's a really a very good question. I think we need to make a couple qualifiers um, 
beforehand because I don't want somebody to listen to this podcast and and you know jump to the wrong conclusions about sure. how to handle something. I, I I think every situation is individual, right? Like so, for example. You know, your what the nature of your relationship is with your spouse, uh, who you are, how you've related with them, that all plays into some of the nuances of this of what you should confess and what you shouldn't confess. So in some ways what you're saying is like it's it's a little hard right now when we're talking theoretical we're, to get super practical. Yeah, we're we're just we're talking theoretical we're and instead of really practical, like here's do this, this and this, right? right? But but I would say I, I wanna I would honor first of all I'm gonna say you're courageous to listen to maybe how the spirit is uh kind of just poking at you gently, you know? That if you're bothered by something, being bothered is a good thing. I would say that that's often the work of the Holy Spirit. I think there is wisdom in what you say and how you say it. So some of the caveats say, let's say you, yeah, you're drinking too much and your and and your wife doesn't or your husband doesn't know about it. the The question I would want to say is, how come you want to confess that to them? How come you want to bring that to light? And is it most loving to them? Because there might be extenuating circumstances for certain spouses. You're just saying this to get it off your chest at the cathartic experience, mm. and it actually. It's dumping scolding hot coffee figuratively onto their lap. Um, and it's not that you shouldn't talk about these things, but there might be timing and when is right and what is to disclose. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I'm almost thinking I'm like with those examples I gave, which are, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to say they're like the worst it could get. I mean, some of them really are, but yeah. you know, maybe what you're saying is even helpful to like start to actually ask yourself this question. Is what I'm confessing, is it like a major thing or is it a moderate thing or is it a minor thing? What kind of marriage do I have? Have I had a marriage where I've actually had a couple major things already? And this is this is now, you know, another one on a historical track record. Well, exactly. maybe actually what I need, Jeff, is to come sit down with you first. You know, it's like, that's kind of where my mind is going. It's like, maybe I actually need to process some of this with, with a professional before I dump it on my spouse. Or, or, you know, even more so than that, like, you know, even when people come in here, we see counseling as one part of what people are doing. I think I, I would want to say, assess your, your relationships. Do you have a good friend? Who that you could talk about this with? Who's not going to help you keep the secret, <laughs> right. but but help you um, know the best way to kind of talk about this with your spouse, or yeah. help maybe help you think through, pray through what the next steps would be. And um, I think that's a that's a, that could be a good first step for certain people. Okay, there, there might be some relationship, you know, in your marriages that you could just. You could talk about it. It would be hard. It will be hard. You will hurt. But at the end of the day, it's safe enough in your marriage to talk about this situation. Mm -hmm. um, I think another thing to keep in mind, rather than it being a sprint, it more than likely could be a marathon. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that we have a tendency to say, okay, you, you say something really difficult. I have a lot of people come in here and that they know that they've hurt their spouse. They know that this is painful and it's break, 
broke trust. And they share about it. They go through an initial grieving process over it. And, and, and I think they genuinely want to honor and love their spouse. But it may take their spouse longer to get over it because they're the ones who've been impacted by your sin. Like, we have a tendency, like, we don't know what that ultimately feels like because like, we're not in their shoes. And I think they might bring it up at times that seem that, that, that they're just triggered and you don't know why. And you, you feel like that's coming out of left field. I think there's a commitment to the process of allowing that person to heal and allowing that person to process what they've been through. And I don't think it's something you can do it alone often. Yeah. Shame causes us to go on our own, to go rogue, to surround the wagons, to circle the wagons. And yeah, there is a place for that. And, and there are certain things, not everybody needs to know everything, but who might be some of those people that you could invite into that process? I, I know that, you know, that's, that is hard. I know that's been hard, especially when something's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I appreciate just even the, the tact um, of thinking this through is like, you know, so like, I'm just summarizing a little bit of what you just said. So, yeah. you know, first off, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I am, I'm hiding some pretty big secret sin from my spouse. I'm feeling this, I'm feeling convicted as we're talking about this, because I realize this is a breach of trust. This is a, this is a breaking of the covenant vows I made with my, yes. with my wife, you know, for yes. example. And I'm going, wow, like I am, <laughs> I'm hurting as I'm listening to this. Okay. Don't run from that. You know what I mean? Like, no. don't, don't, as unpleasant as that feeling is, and we've all felt it in varying degrees, I go, don't run from that because that is the the discipline of your father who loves you, you know? And I would say that there is great grace in the midst of our deepest brokenness. Our father doesn't move away from us, but moves towards us in the most shameful, broken places. And it is so counterintuitive, right? Because we naturally want to hide and withdraw because we're ashamed. We're, we're afraid. We're scared. But God says, come to me. Come to me, who are all heavy laden yeah. and burdened, and I'm going to give you rest. Change and transformation comes as darkness comes to light. And that is scary. And it's so counterintuitive. And it's naturally not what I do. Yeah, and it's it's even harder sometimes to accept that reality when, in fact, you know, my soul may be righteous before God, right, in faith in Jesus Christ, but my consequences and my the physical reality of my marriage may may never be the same. You know, there may be some real real life consequences to yes. my to my sin and 100%. Can I actually even then that's a faith question. Do I believe that God's love for me is enough even if the consequences of my sin are permanent? Exactly. And and, and I still think that there's grace in that. I still in that that transformation might come through loss, but there there's often just great gain as well. Because we're more honest. Mm. We see ourselves more the way God sees us. That's what sin does. Sin causes us to, to live in a false sense of identity, of who we really are. And when sin is exposed, as we're talking about in the situation of hiding, yeah, it's painful, 
but we start to see things a little bit more the way God sees them in us. And we realize that instead of condemnation and being written off, grace and mercy, love and, 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 and transformation is met there. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it does. It, it's still hard, you know? And that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I would encourage you, if, if that is you, if you're sitting mm-hmm. and you're, you are under the, um, the, the realization that you're like, man, I, I'm dealing with some secret sin that is going to have a really rough impact on my marriage. I love Jeff. I love your advice. You know, find a good friend, find a brother or sister in Christ that you can go and start that conversation with. If that's too scary, go to counseling where you know they're not allowed to talk about what you're going to share with them. But be open in either case to the to the wise and godly counsel of the person who's sitting across the room when you bear your soul to them, because there is like we we just want to believe. And I'm guilty of this as anybody. I want to believe that because I'm a Christian, I am not going to have any huge problems with sin mm-hmm. anymore. Like that yeah. that's just gone. And that's just not true. I mean, we see it pastors. Jeff, you and I talk about this. Pastors fall yeah. into adultery, into affairs, into uh money laundering, into like things that, you know, we all feel like, yeah. oh, I would never do that. But here's the truth. And this was this was a piece of advice that literally transformed my life in my marriage. I remember, again, being young, and I was talking to one of my mentors, and I was just like, I just don't see how anybody could have an affair. And he, and, and like, I could see, like, I just triggered something, but, but he just very slowly, very wisely goes, do you think the people who had affairs woke up and said, you know what I'd really like to do today? I'd like to crush my spouse, abandon all of my vows, and have an affair. And it floored me. Because for the first time, I had to come face to face with my own arrogance and, and then really the truth about myself, which is I am just as capable of these yes. great sins as anybody else. Yes. No, they did not wake up and decide, I'm going to ruin my marriage. And, 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 and often what I think we do in our lives is we try to deal with this reality of the power of what sin can do is either through kind of moralism where we try to kind of fix ourselves to make our hearts new to prevent ourselves, or we kind of go on a self-improvement project. Right. Right? Like, I got to, you know, the me I am needs to be changed. It needs to be transformed. There's some truth in some of that on a, on a little bit of level, but what the gospel says is it's actually, I can really own up. To where my, to my capacity and my, f- of what I can do. And all of its intricacies, and realize that, that there's that's ultimately not the most powerful force in my life. Christ is. And there's an intense war in our hearts about that. And I think, God has also given us, m- means of help and gifts of grace by the community of God. Having people that we can be honest with about where we're at. And that ultimately we want that to be like, yeah, we want it in our marriages, right? That's, that's, that's it. But that's not going to be the end in itself. Mm. (laughs) It's also the body of Christ. We need one another to help each other live out marriage. 
to live out the Christian life. So let's even just sit there. If yeah. you are that person, if you're listening to this and you realize I am struggling with secret sin that is going to breach the trust of my marriage, were it to come out, I think I need to do something about this. What do I do? Then you lean on the body of Christ. You you talk to a friend, you talk to a pastor, you talk to a counselor, and and you you engage obediently in the process that the Holy Spirit is working out in your life, knowing that the gospel is your identity, right? right. But that there may be pain in the road, and yet Christ's love is is just as present in that pain. Yeah, because Jesus is there, and He's going to walk you through even the most painful times. Yeah. All right. So then let's let's transition here briefly. Yeah. I I am now the spouse who's going. Man, I've caught my mm. you know my partner in mm-hmm. in sin that has damaged me, that has yeah. broken my trust, and, yeah. and maybe they they were they are having an emotional affair, or maybe it's something even as like casual. You know, I'm yeah. air quoting. I know you guys can't see that, but you know, I have your your spouse comes home and is like, oh yeah, that's my work wife. You know, that's my work husband, and and that really just that hurts you, yeah. you know, or words that they've said, yeah. things like that. So I'm now the, the victim of my, of my spouse's sin, yeah. and I'm struggling to, to walk out, you know, that gospel dance in my marriage. What advice would you give that person? I think it's okay that you're hurting. I mean, that's, I want to understand that, and I'm sorry that this happened to you. Um... Again, I think um, I think it's an opportunity for you to understand your own heart too, in the midst of everything that's going on. Um, how you relate in your marriage, and how you understand your marriage, how you understand even who your God is in the midst of as you walk through this pain. Um, and who are the people who can help walk with you too? Um, I don't think you necessarily have to run <laughs> and and get over it as soon as possible. Um, and neither to go the other extreme where you just hold on to it. At some point, you have to wrestle with the cost that it's endured you, that you have to endure. And that's that is hard without Christ being the center. Right. Of of doing the work of forgiveness. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm reminded of, as you were just talking, but it's interesting, on both sides, you, you've brought up the importance of community, Yeah. Um, of walking, of having others walk alongside you, and I'm just reminded of the, the Paul Tripp book. I, yeah. It's, what is it? Uh, Your Walk with God is a community project. Right. Right, because we we weren't meant to do this alone, and, and I bring this up all the time, but it's like the, the name of the podcast is In the Fire, because that that's a lot of what life feels like sometimes. And we think about the passage of Daniel, right? Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego are, are cast into the fire, a literal furnace, yeah. right? And then who's there with them? It's God, you know, we, it's Jesus. And, um, you know, in these moments where I'm either the, I'm the, the offender or I'm the victim in my marriage, Christ is present, yes, right? Yes, and, and I am not alone. I do have... I do have the Holy Spirit, and I have my brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's how it's meant to be. Now, this isn't an excuse to go on Facebook and like bleed out the drama of my marriage, or you know, like run around everyone um, explaining, you know, yeah, like you know, um, my spouse like really damaged our marriage year three, and you know, we're still recovering from that. You know, you know, have discretion and wisdom, um, 
but at the same time, you do need other people, and that's really important. So I, I, I'm appreciative. Now, Jeff, um, we're we're almost out of time here. Yeah. Um, we've given people, <laughs> given you've given me a ton to think about and process, mm-hmm. and and unfortunately, in this platform of a podcast, we're never going to be able to wrap a, a pretty bow. No. around the gift. But no. I think there are opportunities for people to yeah. continue to process this conversation. Um, and I believe one is coming up in May 9th. Is that correct? Yeah. So May 9th at 7 p.m., we're going to be having a webinar. Life Counseling Center is hosting webinars free on communication and marriage and uh, led by one of our counselors, Sandy Cruz. I think that's going to be great. Um, we're Hey, listen, if you also want to know about counseling, feel free to reach out to us. We would love to help you. We offer individual and marriage counseling, and maybe you don't know which direction to go. That's okay. We, we'd love to help you get connected in that way. Um, I, I think also something to just lay out that, like, wherever you are on this journey, whether you're one, and we've kind of set up, like, these false dichotomies, like, sure. like hey, I've sinned against this person, and you know, I'm the one who's been sinned against. And right, yeah, it's we, like we set up, you're either the evil spouse or the perfect spouse. Right, and- right, it, but you got to for the situation, and I get that. But, like, I would say um, you're not alone. Um, this mm. is this is part of what marriage is, and um, God might be inviting you to draw near in a whole different way that you didn't expect. Yeah. <laughs> and that's hard. Um, but But you are not alone. And I encourage you not to do it alone. Yeah, it's it's always um, really interesting, and and you and I talk about this often, and you you remind me often is, and and I'm I'm pretty representative of of my generation, you know, at least in our area of the country. And I go, I am I am naturally built to flee from discomfort, from pain, or from struggle. Um, and when I fail, I want to work very quickly to hide that and shove it away. Yeah. Well, the gospel actually says that it's in those moments where you are primed for your most intense season of growth in the gospel, yeah, in your relationship with Jesus, because it's when we see our own desperation and our inability to do what he's called us to do, that's when grace, it's always been humongous, infinite, but it's when we actually have an opportunity to see it a little more big in our own life. Exactly. Well, Jeff, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, it was great um, being with you. Thanks, Rob, for having me. Yeah, and and listen, seriously, if you guys, if you're members at Chapelgate, you actually get three free sessions a year. No, no. No? One time. One time. Yeah. I'll, it used know. to be a year, but You get anymore. three free sessions one time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. And uh, Rob said he'll pay for three sessions a year out of his own personal uh, Dave right. Ramsey plan. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> if you need help budgeting, we can work on that first. But yeah. <laughs> You know, if you want to know about the Counseling Center, the link is in the show notes. If you want to know about the marriage webinar, link is in the show notes. If you just want to meet and talk with one of our pastors, reach out. We would we would love nothing more than to sit and walk with you on either side of the difficulties in marriage, because we're here um, we're here to be together. So, I uh, hope you guys uh, found this podcast enjoyable. If so, please let us know, and, and we'll keep doing this um, every Wednesday for a little while. And Jeff, thanks for being here, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys later. later.